0: 我想起月香想起花钱多少的往事留在我心田一半是心酸
1: Everybody and welcome to Ornate Stairwells, a movie podcast. I'm Autumn. That's Neve.
2: I'm Neve. This I... is the most Stairwells movie we've ever watched. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have other things to talk about, but oh my god, it's literally just pretty shots and gay men cruising. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this
1: movie's incredible.
2: <laughs> I love this movie so fucking much. <laughs> But before we get there,
1: exportod.io slash stairwell quality. What else did you watch in our time off? I think we both watched two things.
2: Yeah. Well, you've got so two. I watched.
1: you got more than I do, I think.
2: Yeah, I watched two things, and then I have a third thing that. Oh, wait. Um, I I've did watch three things. Watch. And you've got three things. Okay. Yeah, so we have two things that we technically watched as part of last episode. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And so I think you you have an update because you finished the movie finally and you have a, a stairwell quality. Yeah. And then I have I just straight up forgot because I didn't put it into the spreadsheet when I did it. Um I watched the Aventur des Prince and Ahmed, the Adventures of Prince Ahmed by Lotta Reiniger, um, with my toddler. And yeah, I just kind of forgot about that because I was like watching a toddler while I was doing it. Um, and so I didn't put it in the spreadsheet right after I was done like I normally do. But that's a, that's a hell of a animation. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have not. It's entirely, like, silhouette, like, shadow play style stuff. Um, part of the reason why I was watching this as well is because we were wrapping up Utena and I was like, oh, I was gonna watch this for Utena and then I didn't, um, But also, it's just, like, a movie that I watched a lot as a little kid because um, my Oma and Opa didn't, like, watch a ton of movies, I think. Like, there's just a handful that I just remember seeing a lot as a kid. And one of them was this, um, which I think they put on the most when I was really little because it's, like, the most child-friendly of them. Um, And then it was, like, Das Boot and... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Berlin Alexanderplatz, the miniseries. Um, those are like the main ones I remember seeing, and they would just watch them a lot. So, <laughs> um, I- <laughs> just, my my oma and opa were extremely German. Um, I can't.
1: I, okay, <laughs> I can't really imagine you as like a toddler, but I've I've met your toddler on a number of occasions, and imagining uh, imagining them. <coughs> watching dust
2: boot
4: <laughs> it's really fucking funny <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was not when i was a toddler that was when i was getting a little older when i was a toddler <laughs> it was just the adventures of prince Ahmed. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing is that i have not really watched the adventures of prince Ahmed since i was a little kid and watching it at like my my grandparents um And so I was watching it again, and I was like, wow, some of this is kind of racist. So maybe to be expected from a 1926 movie that is, like, set in the Middle East and then also includes, like, I don't know if they... They go to some island called Wok -wok that feels like it's supposed to be, like, African or something. Um, And then they also go to China. Um, But it's in this weird space where, like... There are villainous characters, and they are making the villainous characters look... Especially because it's shadow animations. Like, it's, like, literally just paper cutouts, basically, um, that are being moved around um, to, to like, generate these animations. And so they want to have, like, these very expressive silhouettes, which means that when they're doing these villainous characters, they're, like, making them look, like, cruel and ugly, but then, like, often kind of leaning into, like, racist tropes in in the process right. um at least with with some of the characters um but yeah so like big caveat there um it is so i think it's the oldest accident like feature length animation film there's two other ones that i think were were made in south america um i forget which country uh but those are, have been like lost they haven't been able to find copies of it um I was really hoping that lem was going to be like just hanging out with emily in the living room but lem's here um anyway but it it is like some of the effects that are just happening in this movie are pretty incredible to to watch if you are like a fan of animation um there's just some some strange effects going on uh also since it's all just paper cutouts like everything is just like ornate and intricate in this way where all the stairs look great um <laughs> i gave it an a plus primarily just because i think like they could have done more with the actual scenes where you're seeing the stairs <laughs> you know um but i mean they look good yeah like the stairs look good they just they didn't do that much with it but um yeah, it's pretty short and it's on Criterion. So again, um it it's definitely just like in that territory of cartoonish caricature um kind of stuff. Like there's nothing that's like beyond that in terms of like the parts that are uncomfortable about it, but um that that would be my one caveat. Um kinda definitely draws from it though, I will say.
1: My update on stuff from last time is that I finished Dragons Forever. Um, and I had what is a pretty common experience with, I think, uh, martial arts movies, but one that I just didn't account for when we recorded last time. Because I think when we recorded last, I was like, yeah, the movie's fine, whatever. Um... And the thing that I forgot while saying that is that the last 20 minutes of a martial arts movie is always the best part of a martial arts movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's when shit's really gonna pop off.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: uh, So, yeah. um, There's just a lot of asking in that last 20 minutes. um, And it made the whole thing worth it. So, that's great. Uh, did anyone
2: get kicked down the stairs
1: no okay so here's the thing is that I gave this a B minus and I might even downgrade this to a C plus for stairs there is a good looking staircase and the evil guy does a cool stunt on it but no one else is in the shot with him no one gets thrown down the stairs there is no he just like I don't even really remember what he does. He does like a flip over like the railing of the stairs, and then like puts his cigar back in his mouth or something. Like it's not, it's not like a fight happening on the stairs. There's just like, oh yeah, we have these stairs on the set. I guess uh, do a clip, do a flip, and it's like that's a cool flip. Eh, whatever. It's not that. I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade this to. I've talked myself into a C plus. Okay. I've talked myself into a C+. It's a cool flip that he does. I don't
2: really remember it, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, is that all you have for...
1: Yeah, Dragons Forever is a great Forever. movie. People should go watch that. One of the... Um, I think of the Jackie Chan movies I've seen. Um, I don't like it as much as Legend of the Drunken Master. um, And... Well, okay, it's not as good as Legend of the Drunken Master, and I don't like it as much as I like Robin B Hood, but it's still like absolutely like you know a Jackie Chan movie that I don't like as much as those two movies is uh still a great movie, you know, yeah, stellar movie, so yeah,
2: um so i I also watched Baby Driver, a movie that I know you love yeah i don't think, um
1: I don't think Edgar Wright has made a good movie since two thousand ten yeah <laughs> i th- I think Scott Pilgrim might be his only good movie
2: <laughs> um this is Emily's favorite movie um she while we were watching it, she referred to it as a cinematic masterpiece. I don't know if I would go that far. It is fun. I enjoy watching it with her um she enjoys it a lot and and it's very fun to just watch a movie where she's like fully engaged in the movie Mm -hmm. um because i would say her like main mode of consuming stuff like she likes watching tv shows where you kind of don't have to pay attention to it because she wants to like also be knitting or working on something or whatever in the background um and when we were watching baby driver it's like no we are watching baby driver that's what we're doing right now um it is it it's just a fun movie i like again it's i have like no bad things to say about it really but also no like glowing things to say it's just a fun movie (laughs)
1: i have many Um, bad things to say about it but i won't belabor the point
2: okay (laughs) but (laughs) i was wondering i was wondering how much of me bringing baby driver because it's a movie that i watch that emily loves is going to involve you airing your grievances. because i honestly don't know like what you don't like about baby driver i i guess
1: okay I don't w I guess I don't want to like uh belabor the point because like I'm glad that Evelyn likes it. Uh, very happy yeah. for her. Um and I have the like like overwhelmingly popular internet opinion. Like as far as I know, no one on the internet fucking likes that movie. So like I feel like an asshole when I'm like, yeah, you shitty fucking thing. Everybody hates it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um So, one, it has to be stressed that in 2017, I did not hold the opinion that uh, Edgar Wright has only made one good movie. I held the opinion that all his movies are good, and that Baby Baby Driver was this sort of aberration of, like, the one bad movie he made. Uh, I've since come around to, you know, Scott Pilgrim's the only good one. Um, I just think that, like, the... the premise never really comes together it's never enough about if the whole movie was like the first five minutes i think it would be really good but it's never enough about the music for me it's never enough about the like interplay of music and editing for me it like gestures at those things but it It doesn't get there, which is weird because this is, like, Edgar Wright's thing. Like, his whole thing is making movies where the the soundtrack and the action are, like, in this perfect, like, back and forth, and, like, Baby Driver just doesn't hit that for me. Um, And then it just really lays bare that I don't enjoy watching any of these actors and uh, certainly don't enjoy watching them doing the things they're doing. I don't like, I really don't fucking like Kevin Spacey, obviously, but you yeah, know. he fucking sucks. In in fairness, I don't know that we knew uh, every, the things we know now in 2017, but I didn't like him in that movie back in 2017. Um, I uh, Jamie Foxx is pretty hit and miss for me. Ansel Elgort is pretty miss for me. Um, the comphet of it all is pretty miss. Honestly, the my favorite moment in the movie is like the last five minutes where it goes mega comphet. That's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> Like him yeah, like I was like him being and just like why getting don't out? you like this
2: movie because it's so um it's so trad wife the yeah. end.
1: <laughs> yeah. The so, so like most of the movie where it's like mildly trad wife, I'm like, yeah, whatever. The ending when it goes super trad wife, I'm I come back in, I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Do that to me. <laughs> i.e. make Um, me a trash wife (laughs)
2: because i i'm like trying to pull up right now um the the tweet that i had uh there was some youtube video that got served up to me once about let me see if i can find this um it was about scott pilgrim versus the world um and why is it not showing it to me um but yeah, it was basically about like how Scott Pilgrim versus the World ruined a generation of women, and it's just like pictures of women with hair dye sticking their tongues out. And I, so I did the joke tweet of uh, Edgar Wright invented hair dye into its own forest since he invented tradwives in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It, it is a movie that w- I would probably not think about anymore if it wasn't, like, Emily wanted to see it multiple times in theaters when it came out um, yeah. and asked for, for blue like, on Blu-ray that Christmas, so. Yeah. Um, like which said, is very it, rare for Emily to be like, I want a movie <laughs> so I can watch it more.
1: <laughs> I feel, I just don't want to, like, trash this movie too much because, like, I just feel like I have the opinion that, like, a lot of people had. You know, I, I don't know. I'm looking at my letterbox now and I'm seeing like four star reviews from like various like people, not really friends of mine, but like people I follow. Um, But I guess like always within my friend group, no one's ever liked this movie. (laughs) 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 And so I don't really want to just be like, yeah, I fucking hated this movie for four years. Fuck this movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um. I did not know that he directed Ant-Man. Oh, I guess he didn't direct it. He wrote and produced Ant-Man.
1: He was slated to direct Ant-Man and then left because he realized uh, when you sign up to make a Marvel movie, you sign up to have somebody else make all your fucking decisions for you. Um, <laughs>
3: um I, yeah.
1: Honest to God, if you had Baby Driver, like... The the exact same script, uh the exact same director, and a different cast, I'd probably be lukewarm on it. I like I'm looking at the cast right now and I'm just like Yeah, I don't know. But like if you just put people I liked in this movie more, I probably would enjoy it more. But yeah. like
2: also like The the appeal to this movie for me is just the moments where there's like action and they're editing it to the music. Mm-hmm. Um and, yeah, like, the first five minutes are, like, I see that, and I'm like, okay, I've, I've seen what I want to see about this movie. Now I'm just going to watch the rest of the movie with, with Emily. <laughs> but that beginning is great. Um, I love that beginning.
1: Yeah. Um. um yeah, I, I also just think that, like... giving this movie a different cast would also just necessitate it being made in, like, 2007 or 1997 because, like, I don't know, I just (laughs) am a curmudgeon and I'm like, I don't fucking like Well, Gort, I don't want to see him in
2: movies. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: the, the, The actual thing here is that, like, um, the, the sort of MCU Disney machine has just eaten up, like, entire generations of actors at this point to where I see them, and, like, and, and I don't think Ansel Elgort has been in an MCU movie, but he has an MCU face, I think. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah, it's just, the, the MCU has just, like, obliterated, like, any affection I have for, like, people who act uh,
2: currently, <laughs> uh, um, can I tell you something? Yeah, I'm looking at a list of all the films that he's been in. Mm-hmm. Baby Driver is literally only one I've seen. He's just Baby Driver to me. <laughs> I um, I saw him. Oh. Seeing this reminds me of one of the funniest fucking parts in this movie to me, which is when it's revealed at the end that his real name is Miles, and it's just, like, a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> tails miles per hour. Um,
1: I saw him in um, The Fault in Our Stars, um, which is one of those things where, like, I genuinely... Cannot tell you... Well, okay. I can tell you now that I don't really care for The Fault in Our Stars as a book or as a film. I can tell you that now. There was a time where I liked it a great deal. And that time is, like, inextricably tied up in, like, cancer affected, like, my own life. I've never had cancer, but, like, my mom had cancer. And so it's like, cancer stories are easy for me. Like... (laughs) Like, yeah. um, that shit just hits in a big way for me, and so like it's like one of those things where I just for a long time I was like, I don't know, maybe that book is
2: terrible, but I really like it. <laughs> um, so, Lord yeah, I feel like part movie. of it is that a lot of the stuff is just like a lot of the era that Amsel Elgore would be from just missed me because like. Like, I got married in 2010, and I just... Like, I was not going to these movies anymore. Like, I didn't care about movies in the way where I would go to see any of the stuff. hmm You know? Yeah. Um. Like, occasionally, like, an action movie... Especially action movies, because sometimes they're just fun on the big screen. Like, Emily and I will just want to go and see one. But, like, for the most part, I was... Especially at this period, I was just, like, getting DVDs and stuff of, like oh, here's some weird-ass movie from, like, Korea or something. Like, (laughs) um, I was just fully off of any of this. Yeah. I, until you said that the, The Faultless Stars was about cancer. I had no idea at all what this movie was about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've never had any interest in reading a single John Green book. So I think I think maybe some of my enjoyment of Baby Driver is that I'm just free of all of the detritus that's around it, other than Kevin Spacey sucks. Yeah. Like like I I'm vaguely aware of John Hamm as Don Draper, but I never watched that because I okay i have, i have, especially when it comes to television shows like really long like i'm gonna have to sit down with this um i try to avoid things that are about like bad men behaving badly um because it's it just sucks to just watch like season after season of just shitty dudes i just i hate it it's a miserable experience um i've been enough shitty dudes in my life i don't need to watch mad men um and so like I just have no association for most of these actors other than, like, Jamie Foxx, I guess. Um, like, Jamie Foxx is the big one that I know because I, I don't even of, know what else I've seen him in. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, th- I think of, other than, Ke- other than Kevin
1: Spacey, I guess. I don't know. I think of, like, Jamie Foxx as, like, way too famous to be playing the, like secondary villain of a movie.
2: Yeah. (laughs) The guy who you kind of think is going to be the villain until he pushes the real villain a little too far and then the real villain comes out. Yeah. Um, Jamie Foxx is, like,
1: at least in my mind, a, like, for real mega-famous, like, movie star type person. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That might be entirely because, like, I saw Ray at a young age and loved that movie. Um uh but like jamie fox is like a famous person in the way that like kevin spacey is john ham i guess is but um i met john Hamm one time he's not a famous person to me um <laughs> um he is uh, okay john Hamm is from st louis and um like in St. Louis, he, I guess he's famous for Mad Men, but more in St. Louis, he is famous for being from St. Louis and famous. <laughs> if that makes sense. And so one time he came to the store that I work at and bought a coffee and, you know, everybody spent the rest of their day losing their minds. <laughs> because uh, that was when um, the Blues were in the World Cup um, or the, the Stanley Cup, not the World Cup. Um, yeah. Yeah. John Hammond uh, is just like not a famous person to me because I
2: saw him. <laughs> I was looking at this and being like, what movies, like, what do I associate Jamie Foxx with? And like, I've seen some of these movies, but I was like, this isn't like what jumps out to my head. And then I scroll down to his television section and I was like, oh shit, In Living Color. That's what it was. I just watched a shit ton of that as a kid. Yeah. That's Jamie Foxx to me, is yeah. In Living Color.
1: <laughs> my In Living Color to me is the show that like um in living color is a show that my dad made me watch a lot um because he liked it um and i don't remember a goddamn thing about it other than like my dad just really liked in love in living color and sometimes like there were people who i recognized on that show um but that doesn't really stick with me in any meaningful way in the way that like entire... Chappelle's show really stuck with me that was the like sketch comedy yeah. show of my youth to me
2: you're you're saying this and i'm realizing that in living color was when i was a kid and mm-hmm. before you were born and yeah. that might be a difference here as well
1: but... yeah no no no
2: cuz cuz like... i was just watching it on tv as it was like airing
1: yeah this is what happened it was that like um because <laughs> My mom was very strict about things I could watch my dad did not give a shit <laughs> so <laughs> I remember um, like watching Chappelle's show because it was on and that was just what sketch comedy was to me like I didn't really understand what sketch comedy was at all like I didn't really watch SNL um, and so my dad um, was like oh well, let me show you the sketch comedy show that I like and I was like I'm seven I don't give that much of a shit <laughs> Probably a little older than seven, but not by much. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, uh,
2: a movie. Uh, <laughs> by your estimation, bad movie. Oh no, wait. I just need to do the, the stairwells. Uh, F. I don't remember any stairwells. Anyway, um, by your estimation, a bad movie about uh cars. Let's move to a movie about bad cars that you watched.
1: Or Evil a bad car. car
2: evil car
1: <laughs> uh i watched um okay so um people listening to this probably know about just king things a range touch podcast where they read through the uh books of stephen king um uh if you are not a five dollar patron on the range touch patreon um, i am not <laughs> you might not be familiar with the fact that they do um bonus episodes where they talk about um movies based on uh stephen king books and so they recently did christine and i literally have never like okay uh besides repertoire screenings i would say that like the just king things bonus episodes are like my biggest like inspiration for like how i want to do this podcast i think that like uh the way that cameron and michael just like love talking about like aesthetics and just like oh that moment was so sick or oh that was boring they watch a lot of like worse movies than we do broadly speaking and so it's like a pretty different yeah. show but like it's they on the episodes like this one where they're talking about a movie they like it like hits the energy that i want us to hit a lot of the time
3: mm-hmm.
1: so they were talking of christine and I, I don't i haven't watched any of the other movies they've covered i don't think um but i decided to watch christine um and boy that movie fucking rips (laughs) um because it is technically it is a Stephen King like adaptation but what it actually is is John Carpenter is here it's 1983 he just made the thing and it bombed so he needs to make some fucking money
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. This movie—it's been a while rips. since I have seen it, but it is fucking. I remember it being great. I remember the car on fire.
4: <laughs> that is
2: the only. Re- <laughs> I was
1: like, they're talking about it on the on the Just King Things episode. And I was like, this movie sounds pretty good. And then at one point, they're like explaining that, like, well, okay, one, they're explaining that, like, the the the. Stunt car, like, because, you know... Okay, for people who are not familiar, Christine is an evil car that murders people. (laughs) Yeah. And um, can repair it. It's like
2: that Futurama episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is like that Futurama (laughs) episode. Um, uh, I mean, it
2: it, it works the other way, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know it is. (laughs) Anyway. um, And so there's, like, a stunt car... That somebody's driving around to do these murders and the windows are like 100% blacked out. There is no visibility at all. Mm -hmm. Which means that there's a stunt person in this car (laughs) driving and doing crazy stunts and he can't see
3: anything.
1: (laughs) Which is amazing to watch. In the same way that it's like fun to watch like Jackie Chan like jump through like 50 panes of glass. (laughs) You know? It's the same part of your, like, love of cinema, I think. Um, the other thing is that at one point, they set the damn car on fire, and he's driving a flaming car, and he can't see, (laughs) it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in a movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a two-hour movie, and it's a little slow at times. It, uh, definitely could pick up the pace a few times, but, um like for the most part really good and um absolutely worth it just for that scene so um yeah as far as stairwells go f i don't remember one if there was it wasn't remarkable but if i if i could and i'm not going to i would give this movie like an f plus it still failed but this movie did observe the other secret rule of Ornate Stairwells. There's a secret rule that we've never discussed before.
2: Um, Being gay as shit.
1: Well, We've discussed that many times. (laughs)
2: Okay, okay.
1: (laughs) It is a pretty gay movie. It's pretty fucking gay. I should talk about that. But the secret rule is that any movie in human history, literally any movie, if you just think of a movie, it would be improved by featuring Harry Dean Stanton.
2: <laughs> you you did not tell me about this secret written rule.
1: Like 80 minutes into this 2-hour movie, Harry Dean Stanton wanders in to play like a FBI guy. Uh yeah. movie instantly gets better. <laughs> uh <laughs> Someone, uh, about someone else g- is looking at the spreadsheet. <laughs>
2: yeah, anyway, who else is looking at the spreadsheet right now?
1: Anonymous Moose. Um. um anyway,
2: this movie is yeah, fucking so, gay. <laughs> it is. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a thing I was thinking about when I was watching Baby Driver as well, which is when the like primary conceit of your movie is cars. Um. I feel like the opportunities to work in stairwells like reduces, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure,
1: um, to touch briefly on like the gay stuff, because like generally, I think if anything I've said like caught your caught your ear, you should definitely go watch the movie, and you should also check out the Just King things bonus episode because, um, I think they do a better job of it, but something that they don't mention. They mention a little bit in the discussion of the book, but they don't really mention in the discussion of the movie. Is that like. <clears throat> so. The main character, Arnie, um, buys this evil car, and um, his best friend, De- Dennis? I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, like, it's just like, man, Arnie's different now that he's got like a car and he's like a cool guy. And like, the first. 20 minutes of the movie are just like their first day of school of their senior year. And they're just like, they're just best friends and they just like hang out. He picks them up for school every day. He drops them off. He knows their parents like blah, 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 blah. blah. It's just two guys that hang out all day, every day. And like one have a really deep connection that two is never explained because it's just true. And, um, I had this exact friendship with like three different guys in high school and it's because I was gay and in love with them. <laughs> so it's like one of those things where like I think if you're straight you're just like oh yeah this is what male friendship is like and if you're not straight you're like oh man <laughs> these two need to fuck.
2: Um yeah. So That's Christine. Um so uh the last movie that I watched was Red Desert, um, which so I had actually been thinking about like early 2022, us doing Red Desert. I've been wanting to revisit it for a while um, and then they did it on repertory screenings and I was like, OK, I'll just I'll just watch it now. We're You know, we're not going to do it on stairwells for a while now. Um, we don't want to like cross those streams too much. I am already talking about repertory screenings uh movie here right now because I watched this and I know that M's probably going to be talking about a bunch of the ornate stairwells movies they've been watching. So, we have enough crossover already. Um but yeah, it, this is just a fantastic movie. Um I didn't remember a lot of details of it other than cuz I saw it in I think I saw it like once in high school and then maybe like once or twice in undergrad. Um, And I hadn't really seen it since then. Um, And so it's one of those where I just like vaguely remember, like that's a great fucking movie, um, but very little about what it like, what's actually happening in it. Um, It is a incredibly well composed movie. Like the shots in it are just gorgeous. That's the biggest thing that I remembered. Um, And it's a lot of shots of like factories and um, just like, smoke billowing out of, like, you know, the, like, what do you call the, the like, giant chimneys on factories? Or just, like, oh. pouring out of, like, a door and stuff. Why um, can't I think of this word? Yeah, whatever. Smokesnack. Smokestack. Yes,
1: thank you, thank you.
2: Yes. Um. Yeah, so, like, there's a fair number of shots of that. Um, then, like, in terms of, of plot... Basically it's this so the the main character um is this woman who I'm I'm completely drawing a blank on her name I'm like pulling it up to see if I can but um she's played by Monica Vitti who's like um basically the the muse for Antonioni. Um he was one of those directors who like just had the same actress in all of his movies basically. Um and Essentially, it's just her being like so I be I think before the events of the the movie she kind of talks about it throughout um she was in a car crash and she's been feeling like very um like I don't know just like agitated ever since um and it's just her being like increasingly uh dissociated from like her life and just like isolated and um you know confronting all of these things of modern existence like these like factories billowing smoke um and there's like a strike at the factory that's happening like kind of in the background um that gets talked about during it um she like has an affair on with her husband and everything um and it's just like her more and more losing touch with everyone around her um struggling more and more to like communicate her feelings to the people around her um and just like sinking further and further into like isolation and the the modern existence of disconnection from others um and you don't even have to be on them phones to do it <laughs> you can you can literally do it back in 64 um <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great fucking movie. Um the acting in it, it, it is pretty good. Like especially with Italian it's that stuff where like you know everything is like overdubbed, but it just works because they mm-hmm. know how to do it. Um and so the acting's fantastic. Um And again, the the composition, like the cinematography is just top-notch. Like especially for for how much of this movie is um Just, like, these very stark, drab spaces. Just making it still feel painterly, almost, um, is incredible. Uh, Also, like, her hair is always just the exact right level of disheveled for you to, like, be aware that she is struggling and going through, like, mental turmoil, but also not forget that she's just incredibly hot. (laughs) um it's just like that perfect line um at all times um anyway there there are a few stairs throughout this movie and the the one thing is like none of them really do like a good scene on them um for how well this this film shoots things there's like often not a fabulous like stairwell scene probably the biggest one uh it's the one that i i ended up rating is for the quality of the stairwell here i gave it a, a b minus um and it's i think with the the man that she's going to um end up cheating with her husband on and they're going up the like stairs to get to um i think his apartment i forget exactly where they're going um and they're like having this conversation and as they're going up the stairs, they, like, kind of pause on the stairs where she's at the bottom and he's, like, going further up. Um, or, no, he's at the bottom and she's going further up. And uh, he says, could you eat me, too? And she says, if I loved you. Um, and that's... Those are the stairs, I think. But they they don't also, like, frame the stairs enough for me, mm-hmm. even though it is the stairwell scene. So Yeah. Um, they're still great shots, but it, like yeah it's just it's not fully giving me what I want, so I gave it a B minus, which I feel like is actually pretty good for like that that is showing how well they frame a lot of this stuff, but they just don't do it enough with the stairs for me I yeah. think so um, great movie though highly recommend watching it I want to
1: i'm I'm gonna put that on the, yeah. on my own like personal list um <clears throat> my last movie is um hero uh 2002 movie starring jet Li, tony long donnie yen um uh uh, i feel really bad about remembering all the men's names and not the women who are in this movie um but that's okay because i'm not gonna spend too much time looking into this it's a uh like you know uh Extreme turn of the millennium wuxia movie. Um, it is sort of everything that these uh movies are known for being. Partially because, uh, if I remember my Wikipedia reading right, it is what it was the most profitable film of all time in China and held that title for like many years. I don't think it still does, but um one of the highest grossing movies ever there. So it makes sense that a lot of movies are like this, uh, because movies like this were huge hits. (laughs) Um, this movie is fucking incredible. (laughs) Um, for people who are not familiar with this, um, this is a sort of, um, a rashomon about the the like founding of china by way of like you know wire kung fu movie <laughs> yeah and if if you don't find that sentence immediately appealing i'm sorry you don't like movies <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, Jet Li plays um a guy who has like killed the three ass- like some years ago um 3 years ago I think um three assassins tried to kill this um emperor guy um whose name I do not recall um and um so Three assassins tried to kill him. Um, and so ever since, people have not been allowed to stand within 100 paces of this emperor guy. Um, and Jet Li um, shows up one day. He has been branded a hero of the um, like fledgling empire because um, he was able to kill all three assassins. And his reward for being able to kill the three assassins is that he's allowed to like have tea with the emperor and um, like sit within 10 paces. Um, but the emperor like sees through this is like, how are you like one person able to kill all three? Um, and Jet Li tells a story and it's like fucking amazing. Cause you see a bunch of cool fight scenes and the, the emperor is like, I don't think any of that's true. I think what happened is that you um convinced them to like let them kill you or let you kill them so that you could get within ten paces of me and kill me. And Jetly Li is like, you're right, except I didn't kill them. <laughs> I just I killed one of them and I got the other two to fake their deaths. Um uh, But um then, you know, we're approaching the like climactic, like, oh, Jet Li is going to kill him. Like, they're getting to the end of the story. Um, and Jet Li is like, but there's one thing you didn't foresee. It's that Tony Lung is in this movie, and he is always a tra- tragic romantic figure. <laughs> and Tony Lung totally could have killed the Emperor three years ago, except he realized that by killing this guy, it would only divide, you know, the people more, and there would be more war. And so he had to spare his life, even though it would, like, deny him the revenge he wanted because, um, it would be good for the whole of China. Um, and Jet Li eventually realizes that the, the, he too must, um, spare the emperor. And so he walks away. Um, but, um, <clears throat> uh in doing so, like sacrifices his life because the emperor is like, well, an assassin tried to kill me, I have to have him killed, and Jet Li goes honorably to his death, uh, like executed for being an assassin, and then given like the funeral of like a hero of the state. Um and then we get a little like uh epilogue thing about how this emperor was going to be the first person to like unite China, basically. Um movie is Fucking amazing! <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so good. <laughs> um, all the fight scenes are good, and the story just like absolutely like hits for me. All the acting is good. Um, <clears throat> Jetly has that like incredible quality of like some actors who like he doesn't give you anything in this movie like he does not emote at all for even like yeah. half a second in this movie and it is like every bit as compelling as like tony Long and maggie chung being like high mellow trauma like wistfully staring at each other and like you know uh being jealous lovers and then not being jealous lovers in a different version of the rashomon and um Jet Li is like so good in this movie and he's not doing anything. I mean, he's doing a lot, but like the thing he's doing is not doing anything,
2: you know. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh this movie's great. <laughs> um I I love Hero a lot. It's I think I mean I I had seen some other like wuxia around the time that um it was first hitting the u.s and it was like a lot of this of this era um and hero is the one where i saw it and i was like god damn i should like go find old ones <laughs> um in this like weird way of just like damn this can be fucking great um because like no dig to like house of flying daggers or whatever but it, i it i just don't think it's as good like at all a housing da-
1: a house of flying daggers is um The movie that this director made, like, right after Hero. And I looked at it and saw that there was only, like, three people in the cast. And I was like, no, no. The thing that makes Hero good is the epic scale. Is the, like, romantic grandeur
2: of it all. And if you take that away, I don't want to watch it. Yeah. Um, There are so many great shots of just, like masses of people yes um it's incredible
1: um yeah i um
2: also like crouching tiger hidden dragon is good as well but i don't think it's as good as hero
1: i should i should watch crouching tiger i'm really i'm really glad that i watched um i'm really glad that i watched dragon Inn. i feel like it gave me a lot of context for like the things that hero is trying to do, the things that this genre, broadly speaking, is trying to do, and I think we're going to circle back to talking more about Dragon Inn when we get to our main segment Goodbye and talking Dragon about Inn. Goodbye Dragon Inn. <laughs> um, I think it like gave me an appreciation for like the context and like knowing that like oh these they made dozens and dozens and dozens of these movies because I think there's a lot of really flashy. Um, i tweeted at one point yesterday like this movie like has like stuff that reminds me of moulin rouge which is a stupid thing to say it's a i mean it's a patently absurd thing to say because the actual thing that's happening is that like from 1998 to like 2003 movies just looked like this all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh like it's like hero is kind of post matrix, but that feels like ridiculous because like that director made things that influenced the matrix, you know, like, yeah, this, there was a general like film aesthetic of like over the top, like gaudy, like, you know, shot on film, but digital color grading, like, um, maximalism of this moment. Um, that like, Disappears very quickly as people start making post 9-11 movies. Um, This movie, like, sliding in under the door of, like, not being about 9-11 at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just um,
2: being more generally about, like, both China's position as a nation today as well as, like, globalization and the erasure of cultures.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Very, like, 90s concerns, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like... Very, like, 90s subject matter. And, yeah, this was just, like, an aesthetic that was very popular until, like, you know, the general tenor of filmmaking turned toward, like, muted colors, you know? Um, and and yeah. muted stories and, and you know, all these sorts of things. Um, and this is just, like, I could just watch this forever. I could just watch a million movies that came out between nine. 1988 and 2002 because that's when I was a child and so of course it's the thing that I love the most <laughs> um, yeah but to get back to Dragon Inn for a second like I was really glad to like was really glad of having the context of having seen a movie from 1967 that is doing all the same things that Hero is doing like literally extremely similar movies extremely yeah. similar so I was glad to know like this is not an aberration this is not new this is just a very good version of a movie that has been made a
2: million times. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I guess that's it for our. Oh, did you rate the stairwell? Oh, I forget if you said that, I
1: I didn't. I wrote it. I didn't say it on the podcast. S easiest S I've ever given. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> takes place in a palace. Uh, so there are stairs everywhere. Yeah. They're great. Um, two, this alone would get it. There is an incredible shot of Jet Li walking out of the palace, down the palace steps, surrounded by like hundreds of men, hundreds of men pointing spears at him um, as he just was like very like calm, collected, not emoting, just like even. Um, that alone would get at the ass. But the... the other thing here is that um because you know the whole premise of he's trying to get within 10 paces of the emperor so that he can kill him um like the whole movie is about ascending a set of stairs because like there are like steps every like 10 paces like in front of the emperor and like The ten paces between him and the Emperor are all stairs, like, covered in candles that can sense murderous intent. (laughs) Um, Literally, the whole movie is about trying to ascend some stairs, getting to the top of the stairs, and making a decision that you then walk down the stairs and die for the decision you made at the top of the stairs there's (laughs) you could not make a (laughs) a more stairwells movie in that sense
2: (laughs) yeah um that sounds great it's great I love this movie (laughs) um shall we move on to our our main movie yeah um goodbye dragon Inn. bye everybody it's the most stairwells movie (laughs) of all time (laughs) um this is one where i i I have things that i want to say but it's also just like how do we talk about this movie um
1: literally impossible (laughs) but we will do our best
2: so uh Two thousand three Taiwanese film directed by Tsai Ming Long, our our first repeat director. I'm not letting you give this to Anno. <laughs> um, it was uh, this is separate episodes, um, separate de- episodes. It's important.
1: I I'm gonna uh, throw that to the listeners. Listeners, you can decide if Anno is our first uh um uh, repeat director. Um, except I'm putting a restriction on the poll, and the poll is that we're only asking Juo what he thinks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Juo, Juo, please. (laughs) Um, anyway, the, the plot of Goodbye Dragon Inn. Um, so, it's a screening of Dragon Inn at an old cinema that's about to close down. Um... I think for the last time although I I've always heard it as like the theater is closing mm. not like not like this is the last showing of the night but like this is it for the theater mm-hmm. um it's they're never showing another movie here um but I don't know how much of that there's very little dialogue so yeah um, that is
1: not made clear through the dialogue there is at the end, a sign that gets transliterated or translated um, that says like "closed for business" or something like that, and I think that is, if you, I think if you cannot read Chinese, that is the only indication that this theater is closing yeah. for good. Um,
2: um, but yeah, so what? The, basically, so the. Movie is being shown, and then we get, like, shots in the theater, um, as well as a lot of shots around, like, not, like, in the actual screening part of the theater, you know, that are are just, like, going around other strange parts of, like, the, the blueprint. I want to see a blueprint of this. I know. Because <laughs> it is, it, it, I don't understand like half of the spaces (laughs) in this movie. There's just like weird, like back rooms full of boxes that I don't fucking understand. Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, what are, what are the main subplots? So one is two of the actors from, from um, Dragon Inn are watching it. Um, Jun Shi, who I think is like the main character. And then um, Mia Tian, who is the one of them not like the final unique antagonist that has blonde hair, but, I but also like,
1: the one who's in most of the movie?
2: <laughs> yeah, sort of the primary in the way that, like, a lot of you know, like, if you talk about like anime and JRPG tropes of like there's the main antagonist, and at the end, there's another antagonist that you have to kill in a big final fight. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the like main antagonist for most of the movie, um, mm-hmm. uh, is Mia Tian, and so they just like. Are both watching it, they're like fully engrossed in the movie. Um Miao Tian is there with his grandson, it seems like, mm-hmm. watching it. Um, who at first we just see him alone, the like grandson. Um and at the end they have like they talk to each other briefly about like, oh nobody really remembers us anymore, huh? Mm-hmm. Um Then there's the ticket woman who um has like some sort of disability where she like walks with a limp basically um and her walking slowly around this theater um and i would say the main thing is like taking half of a steamed bun to give to the projectionist that's played by Lee kang Sheng, who's the the guy who like barely talks in rebels of the neon god and is um basically the muse for Simon long is like in every single Sai Ming long film. Always playing um, gay guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, then there is a Japanese tourist who is trying to cruise because fucking everybody in this movie is cruising. There's just so <laughs> many guys cruising in this movie. Most people are not watching this movie and are fucking in stalls. That's <laughs> the plot of this movie. Um, and there's a Japanese tourist who just really wants to be one of the guys fucking in a stall. And I, you know, never gets to achieve it. Um, he does have an encounter with um, Chen Xiaoying, who is, I believe the, the like main of the, the two boys in. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Rebels of the Neon God. Um, and there's a part where they, they have a little encounter and uh, he says to the, the Japanese tourist, like this theater is haunted this theater is haunted ghosts. Um, and then the Japanese tourist is like, I am Japanese. And then sarcastically <laughs> says sayonara. And then the Japanese tourist responds, Sayonara. It's really um... <laughs> <You>
3: got...
1: <laughs> props to, um, uh, Chen Cha young for, or er... no, 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 um, no, I had that right. Uh, props to Chen Cha young for, um, how he sells the sarcasm of the sayonara because um, I I do not speak Chinese or Japanese and I could feel the the sarcasm coming from that sayonara.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's pretty fucking yeah. incredible. Um,
1: also, and a, then... real quick, I'm looking at the cast on Wikipedia and, and Chen Chao Jung is credited as himself in this movie which yeah. is Funny to imagine an actor just like going to the movie, going to the cruising theater, and just like hanging out for a while.
2: Yeah, just smoking cigarettes, um, and then telling a Japanese tourist he wants to have sex. This theater is haunted, ghosts, mm-hmm. um, and not telling him
1: I'm famous. I could have way better sex than you.
2: But yeah. <laughs> um and then I guess the like other subplot is the Japanese tourists getting annoyed by people eating. Yeah. Um, which happens twice in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Yeah. That that's what happens in this movie. And then, you know, the movie ends and everyone leaves and the ticket woman the projectionist and the ticket woman go their separate ways mm-hmm. in the rain. Um It's one of the best movies ever watched. <laughs> i I loved this movie so fucking much and i it it feels like a joke that we're saying this but this is fucking incredible <laughs> i think it, i think i still like rebels of the neon god a little I bit think, more but I, this I, is I think so there. too
1: i think so too yeah um rebels of the neon god is like a really special thing like i think um but like so like watching hero and watching dragon Inn and watching christine i'm like wow, Wow. this is cinema. Uh, Like, this is, like, you know, the action, the artfulness of the action, you know, the sort of, like, high-flying, the spectacle, the stunts. Like, that's cinema. And, like, this movie also is, like, oh, my God, this is cinema. (laughs) But we're saying it
2: about a woman slowly walking down a hallway. Yeah, because, like... (laughs)
1: Because, like, Simon Long has, like, decided in this movie that he, like, wants to turn his camera toward, like, man, wouldn't it suck to have a disability and still, like, have to work, like, a manual labor job um, Yeah, where you have to, like, walk around a bunch? Wouldn't that be awful? And, like, just sells it by just, like, showing you what what that is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, sells you on everything that's happening in his theater by just, like, showing it to you. Like, there's no... Everybody in this movie's cruising. And there is no... like Or, or all the men in this movie are cruising. It... Maybe the two actors who are in Dragon Inn are cruising. Hard to tell.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are the two who um could potentially be cruising, except they're too engrossed watching their own movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could be cruising but they're not but then they have like the best moment of like actual connection to the other person as they like like yeah hey i haven't seen you since like 1970 <laughs> <know>? yeah <laughs> um um yeah there's like no i i maybe this is like a cliche thing to say but there's like no judgment to this movie like positive or negative it's just like we're just going to show you things that happen yeah and it's just really fucking affecting because like the way that like Sai Milan can like frame the things that are happening the things that like he's choosing to like put in frame like things that don't like get made into movies. People don't make movies about a woman who just has trouble working at her job because of a disability, you know? Um, Yeah. People don't make movies about like dudes standing at urinals for like seven minutes, (laughs) just kind of looking at each other or not looking at each other, but also like wandering in and just happening to grab the urinal next to you, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the great moment of a guy leaves a stall and goes to wash his hands. Um, and then after a very long pause, someone in the the same stall that he just left, like, reaches out to slam the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> and then that guy's just washing his hands for way too fucking long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, there's... it hang so long on just like the empty theater mm-hmm. right <laughs> like um, there was a,
1: there was a moment where we were wondering like is the last 15 minutes of this movie just going to be an empty theater
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> because this has just become like a a weird art installation now of how long will you sit and watch the empty theater before you leave the theater that you're in <laughs> 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 um Great fucking movie! I love this movie it's so, so much. So good,
1: it's so good. Well, y- <laughs> okay. Um, it made me think about, and I think this is purposeful. There's a, there's a scene where the the ticket woman, um, goes and like I'm not. Super clear on where she's standing I think she's standing like right behind The screen or maybe like Right in front of it but I think she's standing Right behind because Like there are little tiny dots Of light all across her face
2: Yeah um, Like coming through the screen Yes Because you kind of like need all of those dots For like airflow and stuff
1: Right so she's looking up the screen um, There's all these dots on her face And it's the action scene where the woman in Dragon Inn is, like, cutting dudes up. And the, the the soundtrack of Dragon Inn, which, you know, so much of Dragon Inn itself is like, oh, like, the action in the frame is synced up to the, the sound of the score. And so then there's this moment in Goodbye Dragon Inn where they do that, where like there's like a percussion like hit in the soundtrack and then there's like a very sharp cut like between Dragon Ann and this woman watching Dragon Inn. Um and it's really affecting. And it made me start thinking about like why do we even make movies or watch movies? (laughs) Yeah. On the one hand, that sounds like a ridiculous, like, oh, I got high and thought about, like, man, why do we even watch movies? But also, like, I think that is the question that this movie is, like, inviting in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. And I think in in ways that I find, like, this is a, I I will later, I think, do the actual, let me get into some, like, Google Scholar articles. Um, When I was trying to look those up for dragon Inn, most of them that i was finding were for this movie and it makes sense because this is like this is a movie where there's extremely little dialogue there's lots of held shots and yet a lot of images are being put together in ways that like invite thought Mm -hmm. right um and so of course people are going to write essays about it and i'm gonna laugh at some of them um but like there's also this interesting thing that's happening here because I think ming long is a a Taiwanese director who's making these movies in Taiwan, but is, is thinking about like, like this is the, the same era of directors where we're also getting stuff like, um, why, why am I drawing a blank on the, uh, other Taiwanese film that I watched with Connor? I'm like, it's slipping from my hands. Um. Um, Brighter Summer Day? Brighter Summer Day. Um, which is... Brighter Summer Day is extremely this movie about, like... Here is, like... This project that the parents in the movie really cared about of, like... What does Taiwan as a nation represent? And is this, like... You know, fleeing from the communist state or whatever. And the children are just completely adrift. Um, they They are, like... The children of these adults who are yearning for like this kind of past and for like this this nation state that doesn't really exist anymore, um and are like have all of these political things and then these are these kids that just are like aimless and are just finding weapons of the past and like using them against each other. That's a lot of what I think a brighter summer day is about. Um and I think Simon Long is also making films that are like, when they are talking about Taiwan are talking about a Taiwan that is like, what, what even is Taiwan anymore? Right. Like it's not the, the moment of its creation where it like really had the strong political footing. Now, like there are people who are living in Taiwan who were just born there. And like, they aren't people who came there. Right like mm-hmm. for some political reason they're just the children of those people um they don't ha- necessarily have those same like political connections to this idea of what is taiwan um and so specifically having it be like the film that they're watching is dragon inn which is this film that king Hu made immediately after like you know moving to taiwan during the cultural revolution um and having so many of the, the people in this just completely disconnected from the film, like the two people who are watching it intently are the the actors who were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, as we said, those are the two people who like have any sort of genuine connection, whereas everyone else seems like disconnected from each other. Um, and so I think there's like this, this tenuous thing of like... It, I think it, this film is talking about nostalgia in ways of like trying to unpack some of that nostalgia and like what, what value is there in it and what value isn't there. Um, and also like dragon Inn is now a movie that like on the international scale gets talked about and like promoted and everything. But then this movie is just about like this, like theater in Taipei closing down. Um, this like loss of something that's happening. And a, a big part of really the loss that like gets figured here is like this theater as a spot for gay men cruising, mm-hmm. like a community of gay men who are like cruising and having, you know, casual sex. Um, and that is like something that is also being lost in this process. Um, so yeah, it, it's like bringing in all of these themes and again, not in a way that like really has like a final here's like the the message here's the takeaway that you're supposed to have it's just like no like all of this stuff is, is happening in the world and our are. it's kind of colliding in weird ways in this like small theater while people are watching this movie um that just like invite you to think through a lot of what's happening without yeah. ever getting like preachy or moralizing about anything mm-hmm. um it, it literally so.
1: doesn't have the capacity to be preacher or moralizing because no
2: one's fucking talking <laughs> yeah um one one thing that i i we haven't talked about yet but i think is important here um and there's a an essay i'm going to read this this will be my start of some of the google scholar stuff i bring in uh-huh. um so the title of this is realism intertextuality and human uh humor in Tsai ming Goodbye Dragon Inn. Um, and it, so it says, this article examines the use of long takes, deep focus, and intertextuality in Tsai ming Goodbye Dragon Inn. Um, Andre Bazin, someone I love talking about, argued that long takes and deep focus create a form of cinematic humanism. Uh, Tsai instead uses the techniques to produce effects of disorientation and humor. The article then examines the theory of intertextuality as proposed by uh, Yulia Kristova, who, if people listen to our Ava episodes, we talk about her too. Uh, it is argued that Psy uses intertextuality to confuse the boundaries between Goodbye Dragon Inn and King, who's Dragon Gate Inn, um, which is another name for Dragon Inn, um, as well as between the viewer, the medium of the film, and the cinema space. Um, The article ends with a warning against putting too much faith in grand theoretical structures to provide exhaustive readings of size films. It is argued that an aspect of size films um, or size cinema that is overlooked by such approaches is its lightheartedness. Um, And so there's a lot of big words in this, but I think I actually kind of agree with, with part of what they're saying, too, which is that, like, there are these theoretical things that we can talk about and that I just wax poetic about. This is also a funny movie. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. there like stuff in this is just funny. Um Yeah. There's even the little details of like the guy is like smoking while peeing and like holding the cigarette down in the urinal and then <laughs> lifting it up to smoke. It's just <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> this the,
1: the the lengthy lengthy <laughs> two guys peeing next to each other scene. Three guys peeing into each mm-hmm. other's scene um, is punctuated by another guy walking in. And right in front of, like, the Japanese tourist, like, our main like point of view character, like, right in front of him this whole time has been a pack of cigarettes and a lighter that I have, I was assuming to be his. And this scene is punctuated by another guy walking in reaching between these two men who are peeing grabbing his cigarette lighter and then walking back out and maybe the funniest part of it is that the shot continues to linger as he walks out just like you're never getting out of this shot this shot's the rest of the movie
3: like fucking yeah
1: not even this sort of like quote unquote action could like stop this shot
2: um also in that shot is just the guy washing his hands for so fucking long oh my Um, god (laughs) um the other one that i want to laugh about on the podcast is this uh, article leaving the cinema metacinematic cruising and simon long's goodbye dragon inn and um i might read this article because it's it's just like the full essay here um, I'm sure that'll say some interesting things, but also that's literally just what the movie is. Yeah. It's just leaving the cinema, meta cinematic cruising and Simon Long's Goodbye Dragon. It's just what the like, yeah, about. just watch the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> just that's what it was. <laughs> that's what the movie <laughs> is. <laughs> you just wrote what the movie was as a title. <laughs> um. Yeah, I um
1: I don't know, thinking about Meta Cinematic Cruising in Goodbye Dragon Inn. Um <laughs> I guess I was just struck in like thinking about and we talked about this some in the last episode that you know like Dragon Inn is a movie that comes out of King um leaving from, you know, uh, the PRC and like going to Taiwan and making his first movie. And very much like this, um like one, Dragon Inn is like a fun entertaining movie and the reason that people go watch dragon Inn, the reason that you and i in 2021 still watch dragon Inn, is that it's like entertaining and that's all it's supposed to be is it like entertainment you know that is the reason that anybody watches movies because it's like a you know way to spend time that is enjoyable between you know birth and death um (laughs) Oh my god, I just realized I appropriated the fucking Devin ferracci thing, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. All apologies for any time Devin ferracci like, has influenced my criticism on this podcast. Um, So that's, like, one thing that is true about the movie, is that it's fun to watch. And the other thing that is true about Dragon Inn is that it is, like, about, like, propagandistic, like, building of a national Taiwanese identity. Like, that is what the movie is about, you know? Yeah. Um, And I don't say that as, like, a value judgment, because I like a lot of movies that do that. I like a lot of movies that do that for the U.S. I like movies that do that for, you know, England. Like, movies from all sorts of places do propagandistic, like, nationality, like, identity building. Like, this is a thing we've talked about on the podcast before. And then... Casting that, like, casting that movie against this movie that, like, to, to me, on its face is not about, like, national identity. I think there's ways to read it as being about national identity. But, like, the thing that this movie is about on its face to me is, like, you know, um, the, that that like queer life is constantly under threat that like um that like gay men have to like meet in this movie theater and like not speak to each other in order to have sex <laughs> and uh that the movie theater that they meet in is getting closed down um yeah like um like that's what that movie that's what that is about and like I don't know that I have a take, you know, capital T on like the juxtaposition of this, like building of national Taiwanese identity versus like, um, crumbling, like gay identity in Taipei, um, or, or gay identity, like under threat. Uh, I don't have like a take, but I think it's intentional. I think that's like something that Sai is like wants you to be thinking about with the movie. And I think it's like, you know, Interesting, <laughs> and yeah, it just like I say, it made me think about like what is like the purpose of films, you know? Like,
2: yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, somewhat related to like uh, a thing that I was thinking about a lot while I was watching this, um this movie was so. There was so there's like a very historic leather gay bar that existed in Chicago's Boys Town called the Manhole um and over time it like as i think it was trying to like survive changes that were happening in the neighborhood um it developed beyond just a leather bar to also seven night club kind of became associated with it. it was like in the same building um there was like a an upper level thing that they built that was like more of a a chill space called the den um and then in I'm like double checking the the I think it was 2015 um it closed down and was replaced by two trendy like local food chains um which is Firefin Poke Shop and um Furious Spoon Ramen um which like are kind of just like hipstery restaurants to to like put it bluntly I guess um and uh the the thing that like always strikes me and is so funny cuz i i had been there like before it closed you down um and so in the basement there was where the bathrooms were and there was just like stalls with glory holes like people like fucked each other constantly in that basement they ripped everything up and replaced it with the kitchen for the ramen shop and it's so fucking funny to me um (laughs) i i am constantly thinking about um like semen hitting a man's face juxtaposed against like ramen noodles (laughs) (laughs) um whenever i think about furious spoon in wicker park um but like that was that is a in my own city within my time that i've been living here like a loss of a a like, queer space where like cruising and casual hookups happened. Um, and it was replaced by this like more, uh, like just wealthy, affluent, like young white, you know, city goer. We're gonna go to a ramen place because it's like. Fun and international And it's shitty ramen Don't fucking go to Furious Spoon If you're in Chicago It's bad fucking ramen Um, There are better ramen shops In Chicago If you want ramen Um, Their noodles suck Um, But like I was thinking of that Watching this as well Because it's like I was thinking What's going to replace This theater Like this is This is a lot of real estate Basically Right You know They're going to build Something else here yeah um and you know wh- one where is like this queer nightlife going to go um but also like what pr- most likely like globalist like a- a- appeasing to like this modernizing taiwan um this like place that that tourists would want to come to is what i m- imagine might end up filling this space mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, I, I think a lot of that is in this film as well. Is is this like, in, in some ways, like to to tie it into like, okay, Dragon in it is this film about like Taiwan as a nation, and to some degree, it might be here of like, okay, like this version, this vision of Taiwan is also fading away, but there is this like new globalized perspective on it that mm-hmm. um I think Simon Long's films like are also sometimes thinking about yeah. um but in this way where it's often just like the backdrop of these people people's lives like we talked about this a little bit with Rebels in the Neon God as well of like all of those spaces are so run down because we see constant construction happening and so like why is anyone gonna upkeep like do upkeep on these buildings. Why are landlords going to do upkeep on these buildings? If they're just going to tear it down and replace it with like glistening high rises. Right. Um, and so like, that's also like so much of this film is just about that. Like there is this like new national project that is happening in Taiwan of like this modernization and this like um, push towards like this new shiny blah, blah, blah. And all the people who get get pushed out and all the people who get left behind by that um so but he's so interested in those people right and not like fully exploring like what is the actual full national project that's happening in taiwan it's just like no let's like look at the the dejected youth and let's look at the like yeah queer nightlife and things um
1: i think a lot about great how fucking movie. <laughs> um you know um I think a lot about how Rebels of the Neon God is this like movie about this like small number of characters, you know, um, these like small handful of people in, um, in Taipei. And then the, the final shot of the movie is this like panning up to the skyline, you know, and like just lingering on the Taipei skyline, the traffic, the, the cars, the bustle, um, I just really cannot stress enough that Side Me long is like one of the greatest fucking filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> the 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 final shot of this movie is um the the woman like uh walking home from the theater in just like pouring rain. There's a big neon sign for Dragon Inn um and kind of like, you know, a city street in like various states of disrepair. Um,
2: yeah, it's the and, it's the poster. If people want to like find the yeah. shot, just look for the poster. It's yeah. the
1: poster. So the, you 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 said that you're like, oh, I see why they use this as the poster because. And you're about to say like, oh, because it's got the you know big neon sign and because it's got the rain and it's got the umbrella. And I just kind of interrupted you like, because it's one of the best shots in the cinema. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I also would use this as a as the poster, but there are like eight different shots I would use as the poster. I use the fucking urinal shot
2: because I'm not a coward. Yeah. <laughs> um It this is a great, incredible shot. Um it is the one that like gives you a sense of what the movie is, but in a safe way that you can put on a poster. Um it's a sad <laughs> woman in the rain with an umbrella and uh Decrepit theater in the background that's showing Dragon Inn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's not a gay guy trying to fuck in a urinal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's not just a completely empty, but fully lit movie theater. (laughs) Um. Um. But yeah. Um. I'm like, what else do I have to say about this movie? I love this movie. Is it? Um, okay.
1: Here's the other thing about this movie. Um, One, it's amazing. Two, um, you know, I understand that movies about like, that not everybody wants to watch a movie that features shots of empty hallways that last for minutes at a time i understand that like not everybody wants to watch that in the way that i do um yeah i would also just offer to all of you who maybe don't are not attracted to that prospect the movie is only 80 minutes long you have nothing to lose but an hour of your time like yeah (laughs) uh the movie is shorter than Dragon in
2: <laughs> um. Um, Yeah it's That's the other like I've been looking into like various other Directors to bring and there are some that do Like the extremely slow cinema That I'm sure would be our shit but also like We can't watch a seven hour movie That's like mostly really long Shots mm-hmm. um, I appreciate that this movie knows That you can do some really long shots And still just have the movie be like Under an hour and a half Um, yes you know you you can have like this lingering and everything and have it work and be impactful without like having to just completely eat up hours and hours of time Mm -hmm. um and also this is there are lots of movies that do this this is a good one i would recommend this if you like people want like a nice distilled version of this style of film goodbye dragon and Again, it does it fairly short, and it does it really well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's gay shit in it. (laughs) There's gay shit in it. Um,
1: It's really funny that, like, on, like, episode four, episode four, we just hit our niche, and we just live here now. (laughs) This is just the thing that we do. Is we talk about yeah. movie Rebels of the Neon God and movies that are like Rebels of the Neon
2: God? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I I love these kinds of movies. I know that like I'm sure some people would completely roll their eyes at that, but <laughs> also I just, it's fucking good. Apparently, I, I don't know what to tell you. Of, uh,
1: apparently, there's been a pre, uh, like within almost a year of today, like, a um, recent um, 4K, like, home video release of this movie, I am absolutely going to snatch up a 4K video release of a movie where nothing happened. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> um, God, I love it. I want to just watch all Simon Long films at some point. Yeah. Um...
1: What was the there was one that was really catching my eye as like the next one that I really wanted to see. Um What Time is It There uh it had my eye a little bit. Um The I really wanna see his m- more recent stuff, but all his 90s movies, because Vivla l'amour, I know, won a bunch of uh awards, I know The River did too. The whole sounds interesting because the main note on the Wikipedia page for The whole is that that's the movie that like almost made Sai Long and um, uh, Li Kang Shang like stop making movies together. <laughs> they got sick of each other at some point. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and What Time Is It There is also about a movie theater a little bit. So kind of want to see that.
2: Yeah. Um. Um, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. Yeah. I'm sorry.
3: No, you're good.
1: I'll also say, um, so today was my last day at my, um, the place where I've worked for three years, um, like, uh, cause you know, I'm moving soon so I'm not going to be able to work there anymore. Um, and so, uh, just something like almost too poignant about, you know, spending all of my day saying goodbye to a lot of people that I care about a great deal and then, um, Coming home and watching a movie about, like, something ending and people just being sad about it just made it, like, hit like a damn truck for me today. (laughs) I didn't talk a ton. I talked a little bit while you were gone. But it's very tempting to leave in the, like, 90 seconds of silence. It just feels appropriate to what this movie is.
2: (coughs) Um who's editing this uh because this is a short turnaround but i think i could do it tomorrow because
1: i can i can edit the audio if you want if you can just write me an episode description okay and i've already got the screenshot for i hell i could probably put up the episode art together while we're talking um because i already have the screenshot so it's easy today
2: well, you'll get to decide if you want to leave in the 90 seconds of silence.
1: Uh, <laughs> I marked it in case I don't. But
2: um,
1: Anyway. Uh, that's kind of everything for the movie itself. But, of course, we must rate the stairwells.
2: Yes. Um, I see that you have already put in a rating here, and you are correct.
1: <laughs> I know I'm correct. <laughs> I put an S. Um, yeah. One. Many shots of stairwells. Two, they all last ages.
2: <laughs> yeah. You really get to linger on them. You really get to contemplate them. Um, they also last really long, and so they frame them up nicely. Um, There's
1: a spiral staircase
2: at one point. There was a spiral staircase,
1: and we lost our damn marbles as if Jackie Chan had just done a triple backflip.
2: <laughs> Also, a lot of the stairs for it is um, the ticket lady going up to try and give the bun to the projectionist, um, and then sitting there for a while, and he doesn't do anything, and so she just picks up the bun and goes back down. But he does take the bun at the end. He does. That's the other small moment of um, human connection that's like perhaps harder to see than the the conversation. So. Um. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I yes. okay. I just while we've been talking, I made the episode art for this. If I wasn't yeah. so happy with our um, default like pale flower art, this would be a really strong contender for just like permanent like podcast art.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it now. You send it to me. This is great.
1: Yeah.
2: This is fucking great. This
1: this shot lasts. Okay, this is a really long shot. <laughs> Because this poor woman has to, like, walk up and down all these stairs to sweep up between the aisles. Um, so it's yeah. already a really long shot. And then after she leaves the frame, we just stay here for, like, three minutes. Yeah. Like, for a really long
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> we had movie- plenty of opportunity to get shots. <laughs>
1: this movie's good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is also the easiest stairwell shot we've ever gotten with a, an episode. This
3: movie
1: um, uh, gave me many chances, but uh, there was only one choice. I I got yeah. one. I got ones of the spiral staircase, but like, come on.
2: Uh, Sorry, yeah. I'm just. Because you sent this in a, a group chat, so Molly said, "Big stairs," and I said, "This is what movies are." <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, oh, speaking also... of movies with great fucking stairs, uh, were you gonna say something else? <laughs> Real quick. <laughs>
1: Number one most anxiety-inducing moment in a movie: not that guy driving a car that's on fire, not Jackie Chan jumping through like twenty panes <laughs> of glass not um any number of death defying stunts i've watched in like my uh recent infatuation with like martial arts movies no 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 <laughs> most anxiety inducing moment in the movie is um lee uh lee kang shang uh just smoking in the projection booth <laughs> yeah. just constantly there's a huge ashtray it's overflowing oh my god nightmare nightmare <laughs> You are going to get Um, everybody here killed, and you don't care.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. Anyway, speaking of movies with great fucking stairwells, um, next time we're watching Pale Flower. Yeah. Um, Which do we just? I'm just. Whoops! Did I do that wrong? Whatever. For some reason, my thing's being very slow. Why did you, why did it do it like that? Okay. I'm just putting in an S. We know it's gonna be an S. We'll talk about it, but it's yeah, an S. That's an S. Um Yeah. I also realized as I was saying Pale Flowers, so there's a moment where I like hitched while I was doing that. Did we get any emails? Yes, we did.
1: While we I am pulling the them up, I will let everybody know. Um, if you don't want to go to exportaudio slash quality and look at a list of all the movies we've watched, um, you can also go to letterbox.com. Um, I'm there at Alley Coffee because you have to pay to change your username. even Uh, so that's a little annoying, but that's all right. Um. Yeah. So, um. I made a list on Letterboxd. I've got every movie we've covered plus the next one. I did not... The the list on exportaw.io slash stairwell quality is planned out a lot farther in advance. Um, so if you go to my list on Letterboxd um, letterboxd.com slash alleycoffee slash list slash ornate stairwells um, you'll get everything we've covered and then the The number one thing on the list is always going to be what we're watching next time. So, if that's an easier way for you to go see what we've talked about, uh, that is open to you. Um,
2: Um, This reminds me, I need to update. Um, I have not been updating it. I made, so people can go to, I think it's Fox Omnia, because that's what I am everywhere. Um, for Letterboxd if you want to follow me on Letterboxd. But I, ha- I have three lists there and I have not been updating them and I f- totally forgot that I made these until you started talking about your list. Um, I ha- I made three lists. So one is Ornate Stairwells, the main stairwell, which is the ones that we actually watched on the podcast. Then Ornate Stairwells, the Autumnal Stairs and then Ornate Stairwells, the Stairs of Tir-Nano. Um, So the Autumnal Stairs is obviously you and then since I'm Neve... Tuna the the fairy queen place anyway um what i was doing is i was putting in the movies that that we were ranking and then putting them in the order of like from s down to f um so any movie that we've ranked is going to be in there and then in like order where you can see um you're sending me stuff on discord now
1: yeah, just the uh, the emails we got, but I'm gonna read them. So oh, okay. you don't you don't have to listen to these. I just uh, figured I'd throw it out for you. Okay. Hi, stairwells says Luke. Um, I have a question for you oh, about is the... this. Is My
2: friend Luke.
1: Hi, Luke. I would assume so because he mentions yeah. um seeing things at the music box. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. This is Luke. This is my friend Luke. Hi, Luke. I don't. I didn't know that Luke listened to this. Anyway.
1: Uh, I have a question for you about Goodbye, Dragon Inn. I've seen this picture twice, most recently in the news box. I think it's a masterpiece, and seeing it on the big screen was a real treat. But I found myself lulled by the picture and nodding off for a few minutes here and there. When talking about slow cinema, like Goodbye, Dragon Inn, I have seen numerous directors and critics say that falling asleep during a film is not a bad thing. It may even be desirable, drifting off into a cinematic dream space where the film is influencing your dreams. I'm curious what your views are on the merits of falling asleep while watching a movie. Is it a sign? Is it a sign of a strong contemplative work, or does it mean the picture is not engaging enough? Maybe a little of both, or something else. Um, I guess for me, this is where um, it comes in that I think of watching movies as such a like strongly like social thing. Um, yeah, I like this movie's slow and boring and if i had been watching it by myself i would have watched 30 minutes of it today and 30 minutes of it tomorrow and i would have had a i still would have loved it you know but um yeah i would have gotten sleepy or i would have gotten like kind of restless um like watching the movie together is one what kept me awake through all of it and two like allowed me to more fully engage even though you and i were like shit posting and talking and chatting the whole time you know i was more fully engaged than i probably would have been if i watched it on my own
2: yeah this is i mean even because we talk about other stuff that we've watched um i'm sure if we had watched red desert for the podcast i would have watched it far more intently than i did Um, I was kind of watching it and like checking my phone and um, getting distracted. But like watching, like for me, part of what makes stairwells as a podcast work is like us watching it together means that I'm actually really paying attention to the movie where I can talk about it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in a way that's just like sometimes harder for me to do if I'm watching something solo Um, or I'm just like in a different headspace there. Um, So yeah, I, I do agree. Like I think, the social aspect of um, of films is, like, part of it. My cat just keeps trying to break in and then leaving. Hi again, Lem. Um, anyway. But, yeah, it, I, I also think it it's, like... One of the things with this question, this is maybe, like, a little bit of a cop-out, but I, I think so much of it, too, just, like, depends on where your headspace is at. Like... I'm sure people would say that this is a far more boring movie than Dragon Inn. You fell asleep when we were watching Dragon Inn, and you did not fall asleep while we were watching this, and that was yeah. just because you were really fucking tired from driving a, a long ways. Um, well, and so...
1: I would not characterize Dragon Inn as a strong contemplative work. I would characterize yeah. it as a pretty good action movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, I I think like... I think films can be many different... Like, we, we talk about... I think a, a central thing for Ornate Stairwells is, like, people watch films because they want to, like, be entertained in some way. But that can mean lots of different things. Um, there is the entertainment of, like, seeing the spectacle. There's also the entertainment of, like, oh, this is this is something that I'm, like can ponder on right that's also entertaining in its own way um it's one of the things that i sometimes find obnoxious with some of the like essays that i read from google scholar stuff is because it like it's often written from this perspective where it's like i'm sure that these people find it fun to think about and write about movies these ways and yet that doesn't come through in the writing Mm -hmm. um and it's like I enjoyed writing essays for film studies classes because I thought it was fun. It was entertaining to watch movies and think about them that way and try and, like, develop thoughts around it. This podcast, it's fun to watch something and then have to talk about it and think through it and, like, talk about why I enjoyed it for various reasons. Um, These are all different ways of enjoying a film, and a way of enjoying a film is, like, Like, I've, I think, talked on this podcast before about, like, there are movies from my childhood that I actually often rarely do not watch all the way through unless I'm, like, intentionally watching it as a social thing with, like, Emily or something. Because usually I'm just sick and I'll put on all the Star Wars, like, the original Star Wars trilogy and Aliens and I'll just fall asleep halfway through. And I saw it so much as a kid that I can, like, wake up because I'm sick and be like, oh, I know what's happening in this movie. I've seen it before. Right. um. But, like, those movies in those moments fulfill the role of this is just a thing that, like, gives me comfort as a thing from my childhood that I'm going to watch while I'm sick and, like, intentionally falling asleep on the sofa. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I think some of it is just, like, what is, what is the movie for you? It, and if the movie for you is something where you don't want to be falling asleep with it and then you're falling asleep, then, like, okay, maybe watch another time. But maybe sometimes falling asleep during a movie is what you want to do. Or yeah. is part of the fun of it. Um, yeah, so. Um, or maybe sometimes it's something that you do out of complete hatred of the movie, like I did with <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. But anyway. <laughs>
1: I can't tell you how much of my life has been spent asleep with a DVD menu repeating. Um, like, because back in the day, you would fall asleep during a movie. And then a 30-second DVD menu that would just have, like, a couple clips and a really terrible, like, jaunty tune uh, would just loop. And that is hell. (laughs) Waking up. Like, the dream space of, like, the baby geniuses DVD menu is looping. um, And you wake up at 3 a.m. like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) That is... Uh that is the worst possible uh cinematic experience. Jad yeah. says, Hi, thanks for the great discussion last week. I haven't seen many of the movies you mentioned, but I wanted to say that I love Wheels on Meals and I'm definitely gonna make time for Robin B. Hood soon. One. What is your favorite moment of silence or ambience in film? Have you heard of the urinal scene? <laughs> <Good> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah that was a really good one um i feel like there's some some good moments of this in sonatine which i love a lot although sonatine is a far more active movie than this um it's just a lot of like aimless play that is happening yeah. whereas this has a lot more of like just silence and stillness mm-hmm. um um you know i
1: actually my first thought uh besides good uh Besides Goodbye Dragon Inn, here is um, Pale Flower. Pale Flower, in particular, has the scene where they're driving and not talking very much. Um, that always hits yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Trying to think of, I'm like looking at other like movies I've seen, and I'm scrolling back to like 70s movies because I know 70s movies is gonna have this way
2: more than like stuff from like last year. Um, yeah. I know I really like in, not to just return to Timing long, but in roles of the neon God, that scene where um, the two boys are sitting on the edge of the bed, watching the porno um, and mm-hmm. like not seeming super into it, but just watching it together as bros while the girl on the bed wants to be fucked and is like trying to kick at them with her, with her feet. Um, that's just a great moment of just like, there's a lot of just stillness and sitting there with it. um Um,
1: i in many ways strushik is like a, a pretty rambunctious movie i think um but also strushik is a movie about like just slowly and sadly contemplating psychic deterioration you know Um yeah like it's herzog being funny about that but like it's still, it's still a Herzog movie, <laughs> you
2: know.
3: Yeah,
1: um, Star Trek is really fucking good. <laughs> um, yeah. Chad also asks. Sorry, I pull up to the Um, what's the first remember? What's the first movie you remember seeing at the cinema? Um, I am told by my parents that that would be a Bug's Life. I don't truly do not remember. Um. Yeah. I remember... God, uh, let me see when this would have come out. Um, One of my earliest memories of going to a movie would have been when I was seven and going to see um, Ben Affleck Daredevil. I remember that not because of the movie. I don't remember a damn thing about that movie. It was the first time as a kid I remember thinking... It was light outside when I went into the movie theater, and now it's dark outside. Um, Yeah. That is my enduring memory of Daredevil is, oh, isn't it weird that the sun went down when I wasn't there to perceive the sun going down? Because I was six.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to, like... So the, the, the thing... Like, I've talked about those multiple times in the podcast, but I was the youngest of five. And movies were... Especially watching movies at home were, was a really big thing, because my parents could easily rent a VHS and then entertain a bunch of kids all at once. Um, so, but we also would... A decent amount... I We, I think, usually went to, like, a budget theater, but... Um, we would also go to see movies in the theater sometimes. Um, but it's also that thing of like, sometimes I was just like very little going to the theater with like the family. Um, and so I don't like, there are lots of movies that I remember seeing in theaters when I was a kid, but I like, I can't place them in any coherent way. Really? Um, Especially because so often we would go to like re-screenings and stuff too. <clears throat> because those were, um, those are like cheaper or, you know, it would be like, a, so like, even if I'm like, oh, let me try and find the oldest one. Um, I don't know if I can. But like, some of the earliest ones I remember were, were Disney stuff. Um, I think those are the ones that at the very beginning they would actually take me to. Um, and then as I got older, it was more beyond that but Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, pretty much as soon as like they could take me to stuff for older kids they did because i was the youngest
1: (laughs) (laughs) um last question from jad um what's your fondest cinema experience i've got three stories from high school that all spring to my mind as far as fondest cinema experience goes um yeah but i don't want to like just totally dominate the
2: conversation (laughs) um one of the the big ones i know that i've mentioned this previously but was seeing the gem on the holograms um movie in theaters specifically because it was just me, Emily, and our friend Alex. Um, this w- <laughs> um,
1: I saw Hot Tub Time Machine, and me and my dad were the only people there, and we thought Hot Tub Time Machine was fucking hilarious, <laughs> so we were having a great time, and we were just laughing as much as we wanted to. We didn't have to worry about anybody caring, because no one else was
2: there. <laughs> Um, there are a couple other, like, small, um, there, there are like small moments that I think about a lot that are not good movies, but just like, they are things that amuse me. Um, one, which I think I, I've mentioned was going to see... Um, Two guns and beforehand getting the fortune cookie that said keep your expectations reasonable which is the best fortune to get before watching that movie um, completely competently directed Um, one of them was going to see uh, gamer the movie. Um and as we were going in, the person who like tears your ticket stub said to us, "Enjoy your luda." Um, I think of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I I think another oh I had like one other oh one was um when I saw Don Hertzfeld I think it was for um the like it's such a beautiful day or whatever like the full length version, um. And he was gonna be there, and he like said that he would be doing signing stuff at the end. Um, and so I like brought my DVDs, and then as I was leaving, I was like, I don't want to have to like wait in a fucking line to get my stuff signed by like Don Hertzfeld. This is like stupid. Um, and I literally just walked out of the theater into the very front of the line, like before it was like forming. Like I just walked out like right into where he was, and I was like, well. Like, there are, like, three people in front of me. I guess I'm doing this. Um, (laughs) And it was especially funny because um, Alex definitely likes Don Hertzfeld a lot more than me. And so was, like, pissed off that I got to see that movie and then got, like, all of my stuff signed. (laughs) Um, Like, playfully pissed off. But, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I feel like other other moments are just, um, like... Connor and I just really enjoy cyberpunk movies and we went to see the, um, Blade Runner 20, whatever. Um, and that was just, it was just like fun to go to a kind of rundown theater because we saw it towards the tail end of it playing, um, and just watch that movie and be like, you know, there weren't that many people in the theater. So we could kind of quietly talk during stuff and just being like, Oh wow. Really heavy handed with the symbolism here. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I like that movie, but also I'm sure some of my fondness was just going to see it with someone. So, yeah, I think a lot of the the other fond memories I have are are literally just, like, that's the whole thing with why I think the biggest one here for me is Gem and the Holograms, because, um, like, Alex, Emily, and I just all really enjoy that cartoon, and then going and seeing a bad live-action, like, trying to reboot the franchise uh, for like a moderate audience um, and being the only people in the theater. And so we're just like kicking our feet up on the railing and like laughing and joking the entire time um, was just like an optimal mm. going to a movie experience for me. Um So, Jesus fucking Christ, Kesha's pizzazz. why was there never a number two? Why did not none of you go and see that movie? (laughs) Jim and the Holograms 2 would have been fucking incredible, because it would have had Kesha's pizzazz the thing that movie needed the entire fucking time. How do you make it without the misfits? Anyway.
1: (laughs) The other two uh, things I was going to say was, one, um, like, I, you know, uh, living, like, in or near, like, big cities for, like, most of my life. I've had, like, a reasonable number of opportunities to, like, go see old movies in theaters. Like, I, um, you know, saw Alien in theaters one time. Um, But, like, the first time I ever did that was going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters when I was 14 years old, and Raiders of the Lost Ark was my favorite movie. Um, uh, Fucking magical. Because, one, it was my favorite movie, and by just, like... Coincidence of it being like the, you know, 35th anniversary or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, like it was just playing in theaters across the country, um, as part of like the Fathom Events thing. So I got to go see my favorite movie. And two, my favorite movie was fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) It's a great movie. Um You know what's funny is Um, I can I can handle the Spiders and Raiders because I've seen that movie so many times could not handle them in the theaters. Like I normally was totally able to just like look at the spiders and not freak out, but in the theater I was like, "Oh god, I cannot look at this shit." Yeah. Um the other uh, thing was that um one year um uh, in high school, I want to say this was prom, but it might have been like homecoming or something. I got broken up with like a, a week before the big dance. You know, I went through a break a breakup like right before the like you know big dance thing. I think it was a prom, but I don't remember. Um, I remember because it was April thirteenth, so it must have been prom because it would have been the end of the school year. Anyway, uh, I remember it was April thirteenth because that's Homestuck Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were showing for the. 20th anniversary I guess it would have been it would have been 2013 it would have been April 13th 2013 um Jurassic Park in 3 dimensions <laughs> and I I remember this because I was like well I'm not going to prom I guess I'm going to go see uh, Jurassic Park in 3D and then I'm going to go hang out with my other friend who is single who I'm definitely like in love with, but I'm not gay, so I don't know that about myself. I only know that in hindsight. Um. <laughs> it's a great time. Yeah. You know what's a great movie? Jurassic fucking Park. Less good in 3D, <laughs> uh, but still very good.
2: Um, I'm trying to... I don't even remember what movie. I, I'm having another like memory. So... There's a friend of the family who, um, I guess I'll probably talk about more when we do the like Christmas music episode of Hot Singles. But um, one of the things that he would do is that he would just take like, especially by the time that um, I had moved there, it was mostly me and just my like closest in age brother because the other brothers had graduated and gone off to to university. Um, but. Um, David Sly would just take us to movies all the time, and, uh, I remember that we went and saw Shaun of the Dead, and we just decided that, like, towards the very end that we thought it was kind of a stupid movie, um... And, like, we just didn't have that much fun. And so, as we were leaving, he was just like, well, since we didn't like that movie, that means that we get to watch another movie. And so, we just went into another theater. And I think we ended up, like, spending most of the day... Like, we saw, like, three movies or something. Just, like, leaving a theater and going yeah. into another one. Yep. Um, it was fucking great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we my definitely friends did that, that multiple to... times with him. I just remember specifically the Shaun of the Dead one because... Um, it was the most like sometimes we would just do two movies, but it was like we did like three or four that day.
1: <laughs> me and my friends used to do this all the fucking time as kids. It's just like once you walked out of the theater, it wasn't like anybody was like once you got past the ticket holder. No one was checking. No one cared. You could go to any yeah. number of movies you wanted to. Um, I remember one time I don't even remember what we went to see, but me and like uh, this girl I was dating. I don't I, there's like two girls it could have been could have been any movie. I don't remember any of that stuff. What I remember is that one time I we were walking past the um like exit door um and an old an like uh an older couple like walks out. They're in the like 60s or 70s something like that. Um and they just see us like teens and they're like they just hold the exit door open for us like, why don't you just go see a movie for free today? And- <laughs> so we were just like, thanks, old people, and we just walked in and went and saw whatever movie <laughs> we wanted for free.
2: <laughs> um, I'm looking at, I don't even remember all of the movie. I think one of the ones that we want to, cause I'm just looking at other stuff that was released around then. I think that's awesome. We saw sky captain in the world of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think resident evil apocalypse was in there. These are like all around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I have no, I do not remember what the fourth one was maybe. Cause I think that theaters would sometimes show like old movies too. So maybe we ducked into an old movie um that was a fun that was a fun day though related to the one that you just told as well um (laughs) slightly so there's a in the town that i i not the town that i originally grew up in but like the weirder suburban town that i moved to in um middle school and high school um There was, like, an old-style theater that had, I think, just two, um, like, two theaters, basically. You know, like, two two screens. Um, And usually one of them would have, like, here's a super old classic film. And then one of them would be, like, some thing that was currently showing and was probably the thing that made the most money for them um it would usually be like whatever the top grossing thing is currently because they're just trying to get people in seats um and i don't remember what movie i saw with uh some of my punk friends i've i have no clue um that part is completely gone but then i remember we um like so there's the, the parking garage and we just like went to the top of the parking garage and just smoked cigarettes. And there was like the highest point in this tiny town was the parking garage for this movie theater. Um, and yeah, I, I have definitely, that was when we had the conversation that I've talked about of it's kind of gay going to punk shows and moshing your body against other men and me being like, what's going on here? (laughs) is this a date what's going on here um yeah that's a fun memory as well yeah i think i think i remembered the first movie that i remember seeing at the cinema which is jurassic park Um, oh yeah i was like five i'm sure i saw other ones but that's like the first one that i really remember as like oh yeah this is just in theaters Mm -hmm. um And I'm going and seeing it And it's just like fucking incredible And blowing my mind Um, And then also when they did the the Theatrical re-release of the Star Wars movies When I was a kid And I went and saw those Those were fun Because I already loved those movies a lot Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we gave lots of good Stories here (laughs) I got one last question That I have not sent to you Oh
1: it's very important. Okay. This uh comes in from Nora Blake. Okay. Goodbye dragon and what?
2: <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew that this is what it was gonna be. I fucking knew. I knew.
3: Goodbye you dragon can't fool and what me,
2: Nora Blake. <laughs> I love her.
1: I'm going to marry her.
2: You already did. I already did. Um, we didn't mention this at the top. This is like possibly one of the last episodes we're going to record remote.
1: Yeah. Um, this is the last episode we are going to
2: record remotely. Yeah, I, can, I could envision situations where we might do a remote one, but um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest one is just like, Man, if people are like really fucking sick over here at my apartment, it might just be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let's just, let's just watch it, even though it's like literally you're 15 minutes away from me or whatever. But, yeah. Um... Or or
1: easy to imagine, um, like going over there, watching the movie, and then being like, "Man, I'm tired. Let's just record tomorrow," <laughs> you know, and yeah. maybe doing that remotely. But yeah,
2: yeah um we'll we'll see we'll see um i am looking forward to less internet troubles but
1: yeah um i think that just about does it for us yeah um you can find me on twitter at a underscore coffee all the other podcasts export odd.io if you give us a dollar you get everything early or most things early um you get stuff like Gotham City Limits early, you get stuff like Hot Singles early, you get stuff like Bag End early.
3: Uh yeah.
2: Yeah. Um you can find me at Foxbom on Twitter. Um or I guess you can also find me at Garfred Aloud. I've been bad about that recently. Um I gotta get back on that. That horse, that Garfred aloud horse. Um that orange horse. Yeah. Uh otherwise go listen to Ghost Divers. It's a good podcast.
1: It's getting to be one AM. We haven't done one of these in a little while, I feel like.
2: Yeah. It's getting late. It's getting late.
1: Uh you know what I heard? What? I heard that Bella Lugosi's dead.
2: Oh, wait. <laughs> if people want to write in emails, export audio, podcast, export audio at podcast at gmail.com. Com. <laughs> <laughs> um, ask yeah.
1: us all your questions about Pale Flower or ask us about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ask us about Suspiria. Probably don't ask us about Suspiria. I don't really remember it. Uh it's a good movie You'd though.
2: Send us general just Hey, here's movie questions. Like we got some tonight. Ask those us are, about movies we haven't seen.
1: Ask me to pass judgment yeah. on I don't know, something you like that I haven't seen.
2: Yeah.
1: Um M was rewatching Man of Steel today. And I'm real close to rewatching Man of Steel, but I know I'm gonna get upset. <sighs> uh,
2: yeah. Um, so is I... Okakoro real
1: or? <laughs> Okakoro is Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. I just I just have no thoughts. Do you want to talk about this? Because I have no thoughts, and if you're just like I'm gonna be upset, then. I just oh, is real, but I just love
1: Superman a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I know this about you. I I just love him, and there's a lot that I think that movie gets wrong about, like the thing that I find like uh, inspirational about, like Superman as like you know sort of hero, um, <clears throat> but. It, You know, you can't deny that Clark Kent spends a lot of that movie just being a dirty guy, um, trucking, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, which is good. Uh, I just don't care for anything once, uh, Zod shows up, which is disappointing because Michael Shannon's so good, but, um...
2: Yeah, I've never seen it. Um michael shannon's great apparently he's in groundhog day what when's
1: michael shannon in groundhog day
2: i i don't know and yet part of me is still just like that checks out i'm
1: googling michael shannon groundhog day he's just some guy at a party Oh, Uh he's, like, mega young. That's why he doesn't look like Michael Shannon. Like, he looks like Michael Shannon. When you know that's Michael Shannon, you're like, oh, yeah, duh, obviously. But if you don't know that's him, he's just a guy who kind of looks like Michael Shannon. Oh, yeah. He's more, he's more, like, gaunt now, I feel like.
2: Yeah. He's very baby-faced. Very
1: baby-faced. He's yeah. got he needs to put like some miles on those bones just to like look like Michael Shannon, you know?
2: Yeah. Um. Um
1: Man, Hero's so good.
2: <laughs> Hero is great. Hero's I love Hero. Great.
1: We should talk about if- Hero on the podcast someday. We should just do an episode about Hero.
2: Yeah, I would I would enjoy doing that. Um I guess if we're still just going, and you haven't said Okokoro is real yet. Yeah, um, I was just trying
1: to torture you. I'll actually, I'll say it if you want me to, but...
2: Well, no, so I, I just want to say here that probably... We have not picked any movies for the beginning of next year yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <coughs> I, w- I will say... Um, so... I have two that I'm, like, currently considering, and I don't know if anyone has seen these. Um, but I, I've i been wanting... Because I want, like, Ornate Servals to be a podcast that has lots of international cinema. Um, and there's been a lot of Japanese cinema, and some of that is that, like... I don't think long-term Ornate Star is going to have as much Japanese cinema as there has been right now. Um, Some of that is just the fact that like, I want to get through somewhat of somewhat, like here's this project of like Yakuza films as a genre that I like care a lot about that there's a lot of um, history to it that I don't think a ton of people are fully aware of and that I want to like share some of that. Um, But I've also been trying to expand into like, there are the, you know, various cinemas that I'm familiar with, and there's some that I don't know as well. Um, so I was looking into uh, Ghanaian cinema. Um, and so one that I'm considering is Love Brood in the African Pot, which is by this uh, director, Kwa Ansa. But um, if anyone else has seen, like, other movies, because I know he has a few other big ones that, like, people recommend. The other one's Heritage Africa um that i've seen called out if people have like a specific opinion on his movies i don't know if anyone listening to this has mm. watched any of his movies but uh get at me i'd be happy to hear about it um yeah so but yeah something in I particular was... like there's a lot of african cinema that i i would, would like to look into and i kind of just started with with ghana because like i have a friend who you know ha- was born in the u.s but has family from ghana Um, and it's like very connected to that culture. So,
1: um, I, um, you and I were talking about it off mic a little bit. Um, and I was like talking to you about like, I want in February for black history month, like we are only going to cover movies with like black crews, like black directors, um, black actors, um, you know, yeah. like, I think that's important to do um and i am also like aware that we've been like so deep in our like you know japanese and chinese cinema hole that like we have just not covered any movies by black directors uh so far and i am you know properly about embarrassed of that like you know i'm not like laying awake at night like oh my gosh i'm a terrible person but like I'm embarrassed for that, as I probably should be. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So. Um. That is like one of the projects that I want to like hit for us like early in the year next year. Um,
2: yeah. Um. And and part of me too is like I don't know. We haven't really talked through exactly what our our plans are for February. Mm-hmm. Um. But. I, that's also why I'm like very early on even before we get there I want to watch like a film from Ghana. Like I I already know one movie that I'm thinking about us doing for February. Um and it's actually not a movie it would be p- potentially our first series of shorts. Um and it's all the the short film collection that's on Criterion for um the uh director who did the um what was it called reluctantly queer um mm-hmm. i just want to watch through like her her movies and um yeah like and I, I think right now she's working on her first feature film so um but i think that would be fun to just like let's because I, I did the math and it comes out to like i think around two hours if we watch all of the short films so that feels doable um and it could be interesting and it kind of try out talking about a bunch of short films um, mm-hmm. and then also get because this, this is the other thing that like you just run into sometimes which is that like especially stuff from marginalized people you often aren't unless you're you're going to international cinema which can also still be like often don't have the same scale and budget as mm-hmm. um you know some of the the major like national cinemas um but also is that like a lot of stuff for marginalized people like they can only access doing short films so mm-hmm. um i think it would be fun to to do that and yeah you know watch all those movies so that's one thing that will come at some point in february i don't know when i haven't slotted it in a specific spot yet but
1: um yeah i um it's weird it's like Um, I took a class once with, um, taught by, um, Kevin Wilmot, who, uh, probably most famous these days as, um, like, co-writer on Black Klansman, or writer on Black Klansman and, uh, Defy Bloods, uh, uh, like, works with Spike Lee a fair amount these days, was not true when I was taking class with him. I, I think, like, he might have written... Black Klansman came out the year I graduated, so he, he did not have that success under his belt at that time. He just had uh, Chirac, which is a movie that I don't really care for. Anyway, um, I took a class with him one time um, that was a about black cinema, but was more about like the like how are how are black people portrayed in cinema not about like here is like a survey of like you know the history of like black cinema um which leads to one watching like 20 minutes of a lot of movies as you're just like okay you know we're talking about this like stereotype um here's like 20 minutes where it shows up in this random movie um and two leads to like a lot of like half-formed images of like the history of black cinema in my head where i'm like oh yeah i like we kind of talked about that for like one session of class one time (laughs) you know (laughs) um so that is that is like something that like i just want to like develop a like better working knowledge of in a lot of ways so
2: yeah um one thing i i started doing and will probably um like, continue to explore it and try and do. Um, is I was looking through just like what are other like international cinema stuff that, um, doesn't often come up. So, I mean, if you look at our like movie list idea stuff, um, like I don't do that, very I put often. in, yeah, <laughs> like I put in, um, like a movie from Zambia, um, I put in. Uh, more Korean movies than than were in there originally because I think I only had like one. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff from the Philippines, Senegal. Like I'm, I'm trying to like get stuff in here so that I can remember and look and watch these things. So. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we have a lot of Japan movies in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. Um, um, I've watched
2: a lot of Japanese movies.
1: You are the planner, and I very much like just kind of go where where my whimsies take me um and we're like coming up to we planned out so far in advance for so long we're coming up to the end of that where I'm gonna need to start I don't ever want to pick movies on air again and so I need to like come up with a couple picks to have in the chamber here pretty soon but um I'm not gonna worry about that till after the move
2: yeah um anyway any other digressions Okokoro is real.